When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From movie set to multiplex, it's the business of film with James Cameron Wilson. Well, we used to look up in the sky and wonder at our place in the stars. Now we just look down and worry about our place in the dirt. Quite frankly, everybody else has an interest in sending you to the electric chair. I'm rude. This is Simon Rose. You join us for the Business of Film, where I am joined by James Cameron Wilson as we look at what's been happening at the UK box office and review a few movies along the way. James, where do we start today? Well, of course, last weekend was a very strong weekend, although it made less money than the previous weekend because of Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore, the new J.K. Rowling franchise. But it's down... 0.2% 0.2% from the previous weekend. So nothing well, to not here nor there. Well, nothing yeah. to worry about, really. Yeah. And it's a bit confusing because there are two charts, but I go with Comscore, which I think of as the official chart, because some of the other top tens included Easter Monday and previews. So mm. I'm going with the official chart. Right. But Good. it's quite an unusual week in so much that we've got five new releases Ooh. in the top ten. I wow. know. I haven't seen them all, so don't get too excited. <laughs> okay, okay. Now, number one in the Com score chart mm. is The Lost City, which is a new release, but it's not number one in the other chart. But I... This, well, let's, let's make that our chart then. Okay. The official chart. Yes. yes absolutely. Yes. Um, uh, with two We'd go 7. completely mad if we had to do two lists every week. Oh, I know, I know. Yeah. No, I'm sticking to the so one that I, we always I, do. I have seen more ads for this than I think any other film that has come out in the last few years. Okay, so you don't have to go and see it. Well, I've tried to avoid watching it. It does have one of my favourite actors in, even though she tends to make films that I feel are somewhat beneath her rather more often than not. She um, produced this, if we're talking about did, the woman that behind Fortis Films, Sandra uh, yes, Bullock. Yes, we are. We and she's a fine comedian. She is, um, providing she has <laughs> the right material to work with. Well, she has nobody else to blame than herself, then, if this well, turns indeed, out not yeah, to be She is good. a producer on this. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it, it made £2.7 million over the weekend. Mm. Or if you include Easter Monday, £3.3 million quid. And I did get to see The Lost City. My multiplex wasn't flooded or anything like that. Um, You may remember a film, Simon, called Romancing the Stone. Well, I most certainly do. And judging by the trailers I've seen, one feels there might be some similarity. Romancing the Stone and then Jewel of the Nile, the next one? There was a sequel. Yes, the awful, awful sequel of Jewel of the Nile. This was a big hit back in 1984, which itself... Yeah, what, so what, 38 years ago? Which itself was inspired by the success of Raiders of the Lost Ark. To jog your memory, it starred Kathleen Turner 
as a best-selling romantic novelist who, thanks to a kidnapping plot, finds herself trapped in the jungle in her high heels with only a handsome masculine hunk played by Michael Douglas mm. to rescue her. Now, in The Lost City, Sandra Bullock stars as a best-selling romantic novelist who, thanks to a kidnapping plot, finds herself trapped in the jungle in her high heels with only a handsome masculine hunk, played mm. by Channing Tatum, to rescue her. Sound familiar? Mm. Disconcertingly so. <laughs> well, you may think that the two films do have a lot in com common, but Romancing the Stone was made 38 years ago, and in spite of being better built, Channing Tatum is no Michael Douglas. In fact, he has what was traditionally known as the woman's role. In fact, the villain of the piece, played by Daniel Radcliffe, is not your heavily scarred, snarling Bond villain, but a cheery, affable Englishman who woos Sandra Bullock with cheese before having her whisked off to an island in the Atlantic in his private jet with Channing Tatum in hot pursuit, ostensibly to rescue her. But let's rewind. Sandra Bullock is Loretta Sage, who is mourning the death of her husband, a world-class archaeologist. She's become a complete hermit, suffers from writer's block, and is not looking forward to the promotional tour of her book, The 20th, in a series of swashbuckling romances featuring the dashing Dash McMahon. Dash is embodied by a guy called Alan, who swans around in a long blonde wig and is beginning to think he really is his literary persona. And he is so popular that even though he's just a cover model, he is part and parcel of Loretta's book tours. She is not a fan. The opening sequences are actually very funny. Like in the golden era of screwball comedy, every character is funny in his or her way. In fact, the film is rich in character, with the three leading men having particular fun in sending up their well-known personas. Channing Tatum does Meathead extremely well, a poor intellectual equal to the woman he idolises. And it's refreshing to see a leading man who is not only younger than his romantic mm. foil, but younger by 16 years. Wow. Not that Sandra Bullock looks her age. I mean, she's obviously had a, a lot of work done. Uh, she does look a bit odd at times. Uh, she is, though, 57 and quite remarkable for that. Mm. Daniel Radcliffe also seems to be enjoying himself enormously as a sartorially stylish billionaire who needs Loretta's research to find a priceless treasure known as the Crown of Fire. And then there's a trainer called Jack Trainer, played by Brad Pitt, who is hired by Alan to locate and rescue Loretta, a ruthless mercenary who is not into small talk and any such pleasantries. I haven't enjoyed a Brad Pitt performance this much since, well, I suppose Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which he won the Oscar. Mm. He's really maturing really well. He's very, very funny in this. But he doesn't often take small roles, does he? Well, this is a big film. Uh, it's a huge mm. film. And these are four big stars. And yeah, he does. If you look back over his filmography, particularly working for people like the Coen brothers and mm. Charlie Kaufman, he does take cameos and supporting roles. Okay, right. And I, I would like to see a whole film built around his character, Jack Trainer. Even the name 
is ready for a whole new mm-hmm. franchise. But I did have problems. There, there is one sequence where Channing Tatum is belittling Sandra Bullock for being a hermit. And he said, you're like a human mummy. And she said, mummies are human, trying to belittle him. But are you aware that the Egyptians mummified over 70 million animals? I was kind of on Channing Tatum's side <laughs> no, here. No, I did not know that. And, it, and no. anyway, he, he offered to take her to ancient Greece, and she said that's an impossibility. But you can go to ancient Greece, and I think ancient Greece still attracts huge droves of tourists. Incidentally, the score is by Pina Toprak, who was born in Istanbul and has obviously spent a lot of time watching comic adventure films, as she has replicate, replicated the sound perfectly here nudging us along by the funny bone. I could have done with that, that music. But I really enjoyed the first half. I did laugh a number of times. Sandra Bullock is wonderful to look at. Channing Tatum is having enormous fun sending himself up. Daniel Radcliffe is fun and Brad Pitt is fun. It's not a classic, but if you want to go and see uh, an entertaining movie this weekend... I would doesn't, recommend this. Doesn't seem like the sort of movie that we've had many of for a while, at least any that one would at least even partially recommend. No, no. It reminded me, I can't remember the name of it because it was so bad, I forgot it. But there's a film <laughs> with Amy Schumer and Goldie Hall where they ended up in the jungle and it was sort of kidnapping and yeah. things going on, which. Well, James, you you said there are five new films in the chart, even if you haven't seen all of them. Perhaps now is possibly the moment where we should take a break in case the next one's um, a little long. So let us do that, and we'll be back in just a moment. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose. You're listening to Share Radio, and it's the business of film with James Cameron Wilson. So, um, The Lost City is number one. Where do we go now? We've got number two, uh, Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore, which was at number one, down a precipitous 55%, with a total of 12.6 million quid. Although I thought this was the best of the three Fantastic Beasts films, it is still very long. It is still very slow and it is yeah. still very boring yeah. but it's much better than sonic the hedgehog 2 <laughs> which is at number three which was at number two down 30 percent with a total of 17.2 million there is a new film at number four perhaps the most highly acclaimed film of the year the northman at number four which made 898 thousand pounds it's directed and co-written by Robert Eggers, who is one of the most highly acclaimed filmmakers around today, and his third film, it has gained him even more glowing reviews. He previously brought us The Witch with Anya Taylor-Joy, which I liked, and then The Lighthouse, which I was not so keen on. Mm. I don't know. Did you ever see The Lighthouse? I did. I gave up. Yeah, yeah. I wish I had given up. But he does provide a singular vision and has yet to make a film set in the present. Here, he is, I think, to the multiplex, what Wagner was to the opera house, all sonic booms on the soundtrack and overwhelming melodrama. Judging by the reviews, this is the cinematic event of the year with five-star ratings in The Sunday Times, The Guardian and The Independent. Of course, the world has gone mad. 
it is hugely impressive to look at and has a creditable provenance. It is based on the Scandinavian legend that, that inspired Shakespeare to write Hamlet, yeah. Amleth or Amlet, it was called. And Eggers has summoned his starriest cast yet with Alexander Skarsgård as Hamlet, Nicole Kidman as his mother, Ethan Hawke as his father, King Arvandil, Anya Taylor-Joy as a pretty rebellious slave, Klaus Bang as Hamlet's treacherous uncle, Willem Dafoe as a court jester, and Bjork as an old witch. Now, I would like to point something out. Film critics, as a breed, tend to watch far more films than the average filmgoer. So anything remotely different or original gets them very, very excited. And The Northman, in spite of its source is a very original retelling of the Hamlet stroke Braveheart stroke gladiator legend. Well, I confess it looks amazing, filmed predominantly in Iceland. I found the heavy-handed mix of mythology, sorcery and history hard to digest. The dialogue is, is a strong point, and although spoken by a Swedish, Icelandic, American, Australian, Danish and British cast, it never grated with me yeah. as Eggers and his co-scriptor, the Icelandic poet and novelist Sion, have written some plausible old world dialogue by Freya. My problem was with the delivery and tenor of the movie. Everybody is snarling or baying or hissing throughout a very, very long film. And it is so violent. There was one sequence. It was. It reminded me of... Monty Python and the Holy Grail. It was that violent. <laughs> but and without people, intending to be funny, yes. Okay. People in the audience, real people, not film critics, mm. were beginning to titter. It was oh, really? so oh, over the top. Yeah. And everybody was just shouting the whole time. It was like having a chorus of Tom Waits impersonators yelling at you for two and a half hours. Because everybody speaks like this. Everybody's got a really deep voice, even the women. And I just thought, this is just, I wasn't bored. It looked fantastic. I did like the dialogue. I could sort of see where it was going, but it was just so violent and just so over the top. I I really lost patience with it. Okay. Well, that is The Northman, which is at number four. Okay. James Renner. On to my movie of the week, which is at number five, Operation Mince meat, which oh, you've probably seen yeah. a lot of trailers for as well. I have, and of course, I've seen the the original film made of the same story, The Man Who Never Was. So I'm intrigued. Well, judging by the movies, this country is chock a block with amazing stranger than fiction true life stories. Mm-hmm. We now have another one, code named Operation Mincemeat, in which Jerry or Fritz, as the Hun is known here, was bamboozled by an audacious trick conceived by a government department known as the 20 Committee. The film is directed by John Madden, so we know we are in good hands. It was Madden who directed Mrs. Brown with Judi Dench, Shakespeare in Love with Judi Dench and Colin Firth, The Best Exotic Marigold Hotel with Judi Dench, and now Operation Mincemeat with Colin Firth. In fact, as with most John Madden films, there is a very strong cast knocking back the double whiskies and drawing on an endless supply of Chesterfields and Lucky Strikes, except for Churchill, of course, who preferred something stronger. Mm. Here, the Prime Minister is played by Sir Simon Russell Beale, quite convincingly, I felt, while the dramatist 
personae beneath him includes everybody from the usual stiff upper lip types embodied by Colin Firth, Matthew McFadden, and Jason Isaacs, an aspiring novelist called Ian Fleming, played by Johnny Flynn, and an unknown vagrant who's just died from rat poisoning. There's a running joke that everybody actually in the department is writing a novel. Then at the end, we find out this guy is called Ian <laughs> Fleming, which, is, which was a nice touch. The wheeze here is to throw Fritz off the scent of a planned invasion of Sicily by pretending that the British are actually bent on attacking Greece. So the 20 committee set up a ruse where false documents would be found on the corpse of a British officer washed up on the coast of Spain. Documents indicating an immediate assault on Greece. While in theory, this sounded like a jolly good idea, there were some complications. And it is the attention to the details of these complications adapted from the book of the same name by Ben McIntyre, which makes the film such an agreeable watch. The first thing is to decide upon the perfect corpse. What should be on his person? Photographs, love letters, that sort of thing. And how to get him to Spain. The love letter alone turns out to be an almighty headache for the naval intelligence officer Ewan Montague, played by Colin Firth, who bashed out 16 different versions of a love letter on his Olivetti before it even met with approval. There are also personal complications between the various personnel involved, which I suspect was added to give the film a more human aspect, although for me, it actually slowed down the main thrust of the action. This ain't brief encounter, and there is enough material of a subterfugal nature to keep us gripped throughout. Mm. As Ewan Montague's loyal secretary, Hester, I felt Dame Penelope Wilton pretty much steals the acting honours single-handedly as a no-nonsense, reliable old stick. The film's other leading actress is Kelly MacDonald, who plays Jean Leslie and is a romantic distraction for the married Ewan Montague, whose wife and children are safely shipped off to America. Now, in real life, Colin Firth is 61. Kelly MacDonald is 46, although she does look considerably younger than that. And the age difference did bother me. But of course, once I did my research on the background of the film, I discovered that Jean Leslie was actually only 20 at the time. Mm. As Richard Attenborough used to tell me, sometimes you have to dial down the truth just so that the audience mm. in the cinema is not completely dissuaded and, and by the you, improbable. Do you know the original Ronald Neiman film from um, 1956 with um, uh, Clifton Webb and Gloria Graham and people people like that, Robert Fleming, which I really enjoyed when I was younger. So it's interesting knowing whether you can compare the two, but you may not have ever seen it or so long ago you don't remember. I don't think I have ever seen it, I'm afraid. Okay. All right. I'm sure I'm sure Ben McIntyre, having written so many books about World War II stories that are, are absolutely fascinating, probably the research is probably a great deal better. Much of it must be un, have been unknown in I-56 or classified, um, but I'm just intrigued. So do you recommend it? Yes, it's certainly my best film. It's yeah. the film I was most believed in, most engaged in. Thought, wow, good. gosh, yes. Very good cast. Everybody is on top form. And I just love the fact that they took it so seriously that they had to get the right photograph and mm. 
the right well, love letters. And yes. So if the Germans found the cause... Very, very, very serious purpose. Um, well, well indeed, be said. indeed it was. But you um, never okay. think how tricky it would be to, re to invent a human being, basically, which is what the film is about. Yeah. I think that, uh, sadly, I think the worst thing about the film is the title. But of course, that was the name, the code name. Of, well, they, they, yeah, they couldn't use the man who never was because it had already been used. It sort of reminds me of the sort of war film like Hamburger Hill. Oh, yes. Operation Minsk. Yes, yes. It's not another, like that. It, it's, no, another not good time. You can take your granny. Okay, right. Okay, so that was number five. We're going to have to uh, rush down the chart a bit, aren't we? Let's, uh, what's number six? Uh, number six, we've got The Bad Guys, which I really enjoyed, which is a cartoon which from DreamWorks, which was at number three, down 28%, which is the strongest holdover of the week, which has now got 7.9 million in the bank. We have a new film at seven called Beast, which is not to be confused with the Johnny Flynn film, who played Ian Fleming in Operation Mincemeat. But this is a Tamil action crime comedy showing at 153 cinemas with mm. a 3,300 quid average, which is mm. pretty good. And we've got another Indian film at number eight, KGF Chapter 2, which, funnily enough, is a sequel to KG Chapter 1. It's an Indian action crime drama in Hindi and Tamil and various other dialects. Number nine, we've got The Batman, which is down 49%, with a strong total of £40.2 million. Mm -hmm. And at 10, we have Morbius, down 67% for a total of £5.9 which is a major different, uh, disappointment. I would like to say, although it's not in the chart anymore, Ambulance... Um, I do think this is one of the year's most cinematic films and worth seeking out to see it on the big screen. It's extraordinary I, how quickly it went. I, oh. I know. And it is Michael Bay. Yes. But I don't think maybe Jake Gyllenhaal is a huge box office star. No. But it's a, it's, a, it's a big screen movie. So if you can catch it mm. on the big screen, please do. I, and I, I love the fact... Yeah, go on. Good, I was going to say, sorry, I, I, I was going to change subject slightly and say finally got around to seeing Belfast um, um, this week though not on the big screen um, which I thought was very interesting perhaps a little episodic but um, much better than I'd anticipated um, though you do wonder whether it quite deserved to win the best screenplay well but. yeah I felt, I, I felt that too but I just want to say about Ambulance which I didn't say I don't think I mentioned in my review it's starring Jake Gyllenhaal and Yahya Abdul-Mateen II as brothers in the film and it doesn't over milk the fact Yahya Abdul-Mateen II is a black man and Jake Gyllenhaal is a white man, but they are committed brothers. And I like the fact that it didn't really over-explain it. Mm. And I think there were all these subtleties going through it. And listening to an interview you, uh, recently with Yahya Abdul-Mateen II, I thought, yeah, there's a lot going on in this movie and it's a shame that it hasn't done better. But you did ask me, yes, Simon, it, big intake of breath. What did I ask you? No, you, you took a big intake of breath. Oh, you, uh, okay. You, okay. Uh, if we're changing the subject, I just I was watching television the other day, just watching a, a, a series on now TV called Resident Alien, not something you'd ever necessarily want to watch. And the, the director's name popped up, Leah Thompson. I thought, oh, that's interesting. I remember a Leah Thompson from Back to the Future. Indeed, blow yes. me. But yes, she's now directing American TV and appearing in it occasionally. Um, Michael I don't J. Think Fox's I mother. Uh, yes, Marty I don't think Fox I recognise it. But um, yes, interesting to see that she's now a director. 
Anyway, uh, I'm we're still almost on the chart. out of time. I'm still you, on the chart. Oh, you have to be very quick then. Sorry, I apologise, James. <laughs> okay. We, you asked me last yep. week when you, yep. you reviewed for the second time The Worst Person in the World, what is the highest grossing Norwegian film oh, of all thank time? You. Yes. And I said I'd let you know. Yes. It is, according to the Guinness Book of Records, a film called Galapagos, which is a 1995 nature documentary written and directed by Tor Heyerdahl. Oh, right. Well, that did bypass me, that one, I'm afraid. It did. Well, it was a long time ago, 1995. Mm. Intriguing. Anyway. Thank you very much for doing the research, James. And thanks for everything else. Uh, that's been it for the Business of Film for this week. But we will, of course, be back with more with James Cameron Wilson at the same time next week. Did you just look at me? Did you? Look at me. Look at me. How dare you? Close your eyes. There are no two words in the English language more harmful than good job. The uh, stuff that dreams are made of.